So I've got the questions that have been prepared. So if I call um, students' names out and then they stand and shout them out, does that work? And then we'll see what answers come back. Well, to keep you on your toes, let's start with Grace Smith, who has a wonderful question about being an archbishop. So uh, first of all, hello, I'm Stephen. Um, I'm I'm the 98th Archbishop of York. and it's a great joy to be with you today. And, and actually, I think I've been looking forward to this today more than all the other stuff I've done, because it's always good to meet with young people, and it's slightly terrifying to face the refining fire of your interesting questions, though that one, Grace, is an easy one. The answer's yes. Um, so in the Church of England, um, I think probably David as well, we, w- we were both ordained into a church where you, you you could, there weren't women vicars, there weren't women priests, let alone bishops or archbishops. And, and we've lived through that change, and it's been a huge blessing to the church. It, I, I remember when I, I've never had a proper job, Grace. I've always been like a jobbing vicar. And I, I was ordained as a priest when I was 25. Um, but even so, and this is obviously a long time ago, um, nearly 40 years ago, but even then, it felt really weird to be in a, in a culture where it was all men. And I can remember thinking, you know, there's, there's almost nowhere else left in British society where it would just be men. Um, so I, I've happily and gladly lived through that change. And I can't even remember how long we've had women bishops. Is it? It's not 10 years yet, I don't think, is it? It's the beginning of 2015. 2015. So it's only, only less than eight years, but there's already now... 30 women bishops in the Church of England. So it's been a huge change for us and a change which is unequivocally and undoubtedly a change for the good. At the, there are two archbishops in the Church of England. At the moment, both of us are men. But there's absolutely no reason why one of the next archbishops couldn't be a woman. And I'm sure before long, that's what will happen. Might even be you, Grace. Let's stick on the same theme. Do we have Ava Kirkham and her wonderful question? Uh, No. That was another easy question. So in case you didn't hear, the question was, have you always wanted to be an archbishop? No, the answer is definitely no. Um, uh, So I think I wasn't brought up going to church. So there was no church in my life when I, well, probably when I was your age, there was just beginning to be some church in my life. But there was no church in my life growing up. Um, My parents, there was enough religion left inside them that me and my sister and my brothers, we were all done when we were babies. So we were all baptised. So I did go to church once in my childhood. Um, I think I always believed in God, which I've since discovered is actually very common. Because actually the truth is that the vast majority of children growing up in Britain today don't go to church, don't have any contact with the Christian faith. But if you speak to them when they're in primary school and say, do you believe in God? They usually do. Very few children are atheists. So, it's, so it's, it feels to me like there's something almost hot-wired into us that we have a sense um, that there is something beyond what we see around us, a sense of the otherness of God. And I certainly had that, but because we didn't go to church, it was completely unformed, but it was definitely inside me. I won't, tell, I won't bore you with the whole story, but during my teenage years, I, I was drawn into the sort of orbit of the life of the church and was actively asking questions about what's life about. And I'm a kind of all or nothing person. 
So aged about 15, when I actually started getting more actively involved in the life of the church, I think I knew that I'd end up being ordained as a priest. I didn't tell anybody, but I, I, I kind of knew that. And I thought that's what I would spend my life doing. So, you know, I thought I'd be doing what Simon is doing, you know, that I would, I would spend my life as a parish priest, serving a local community, making a difference in that community. And I still believe that's the highest calling um, and the job of a bishop is simply to serve and help and support. I know it probably doesn't feel like that, but honestly, that is what we're trying to do. The church at the local level. Um, but it's a dirty job that somebody has to do, being a bishop and an archbishop. And to my surprise, I keep expecting there to be a letter um, saying there's been a terrible mistake. There's another Stephen Cottrell who's wise and holy, and he was the person who's supposed to be the Archbishop of York. And when that comes, I go, well, I'm surprised it's taken you so long to realise. Um, I'll gladly go back to being a vicar. But for the time being, it's what I'm doing, and I do find great joy in it. Because one of the good things about being a bishop and an archbishop is there is an opportunity to speak about the Christian faith into some of the big areas of our regional and national life and I do enjoy that opportunity but no it wasn't it never occurred to me that this is something I'd end up doing but I've happily said yes well, sticking on that theme there was another question that came in what are the good bits and what are the bad bits about being an archbishop okay so the good bits you you may think this is a bit of old flannel but honestly the good bit is this um so when I decided to follow Jesus as a teenager, I think one of the main reasons I decided to follow Jesus was because I wanted to change the world. Um, I don't know what you think of when you look at the world, but I look at the world and I see sorrow, I see confusion. Um, and, and I'm a simple soul, and I see the Christian faith in a simple way. So one of the ways I see the Christian faith is I think Jesus shows us what humanity is meant to be like. So, so human beings are meant to be generous. We're meant to be kind. We're meant to be merciful and forgiving. And Jesus is like the model human being. It's like this is God's way of being human. God's way of being human shown us in Jesus. Um, and And... And I found that deeply attractive, that this is how I'm meant to be. This is how the world is meant to be. And, and that was a big motivation for me, um, that I wanted to change the world, and I wanted to change it as it were, one heart at a time, by telling people about Jesus um, and who he is, how much he loves you, and his purposes for your life and for the world. So absolutely the best bit about being an archbishop is telling people about the Christian faith and telling people about the person of Jesus Christ and saying, Jesus can make a difference in our world, in your life. Um, and there's a lot of cynicism in our world. There's a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of confusion. And what our world is crying out for is what we've been given in Jesus. So that is undoubtedly the best bit. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's why coming here is the best bit of today, because it's a chance for me to say to you, because I don't know whether you believe in God or not. Um, I expect you probably do. I don't know what you think about Jesus. I don't know what you're going to do with your life. But I want to tell you 
that following Jesus is a really good decision. And if you follow Jesus, you can be part of God's great uh, program of changing the world. There's a, there's a line in the Bible right towards the end where it says, the kingdoms of this world um, may become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. It's sung in the Alleluia Chorus. Do you know the Alleluia Chorus from Messiah? Alleluia. Right in the middle, they all sing, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. That's, that's what I'm interested in. Um, it's what we say in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Um, and so I want to tell people about that, and I want to tell you about it, and I want to say, join us, follow Jesus you can be part of this revolution to make the world into the kingdom of God. The bad bits, <laughs> um, I mean, your teachers would say the same. Every job, you know, has things that you don't like about it. So I have too many emails to answer. Um, I'm in a place where the sort of buck stops here. There's many things I'm, I'm ashamed to say that are not good about the church, many failings in the church. Some of you will have read particularly, for instance, about the failures in safeguarding in the church. There is racism in the church. There's all sorts of things. It's taken the church a long while to you know, bring about some sort of gender equality. We're grappling at the moment and disagreeing with one another about LGBTQI issues, and that's painful and difficult. I don't like all that. I don't like it. I, I find it difficult. Um, and sometimes it hurts when you're trying to lead an organization where there is, you know, where good people find they disagree. That's not easy. Um, but that's part of the, the responsibility of leadership in, in any walk of life. But the good bits are really good. <laughs> You uh, led us with some scripture, particularly thinking about the good bits. And so we've got a question from Lincoln. Oh, uh, Lincoln, I I'm afraid I don't know the answer to that question. I, I want to assure you I have read it. Um, uh, um, uh, but I, no, I, I simply don't know. Um, so I'm, so, some Christians kind of actively, you know, say each year I'm going to read it from cover to cover. I've never been one of those Christians. That's not the way I've done it. But I'm very committed to reading the Bible every day. So that's a core part of my, my life and my prayer. So if you asked me another question, if you said to me, what's the most important thing you do each day? I would say, I say my prayers. Um, because I, I, I don't believe I've got anything to offer anyone but that the things that God shows me in Jesus Christ. So the heart of my life is, is my prayer each day, and the heart of my prayer is the sort of meditative reading of Scripture. Um, so that's how Bishop David and I, that's how we started our day today. It's the, well, not quite the first thing we did, we had, I think we had breakfast first. But then we went into the chapel at his house um, and we, we said our prayers, which basically meant reading bits of scripture. So I don't know, it's, it's probably quite a lot, but I don't know the answer. Have you read it, Lincoln? Well, a little bit of advice, Lincoln. If you do want to read the whole of the Bible, my, the best advice I could give you is don't start at the beginning. I know that sounds a bit weird, but um, the Bible is, um, 
So if you ask me another question, like, so what's the Bible? I mean, there's obviously lots of things you could say, but one of the things I'd say first of all is think of it as a library, not a book. And that, that's quite a key to understanding the Bible. It's more like a library than it is like a book. In other words, there's lots of books, in, like a library, there's lots of books in it, and they're not all the same, and there's different kinds of truth in it. Sometimes there's the truth of a poem, which is a different sort of truth from the truth of a recipe, different truth from a biography, um, different kinds of books. And actually, just start, like, you wouldn't go to a library, would you, and stand in the library, start at the book on the top left-hand shelf and work your way along. You'd select, well, I'll read this, then I'll read that. And that's the best way to read the Bible. Um, so if you want to read the Bible, I would say, start with one of the Gospels, which is the story of Jesus right at the heart, and then you kind of work out either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a wonderful question. This really got my head scratching, so I'm fascinated to hear what your answer is. Lily May Haydock. What do you think about the difference between the art and the literature? You mean in art? Uh, or... Yeah, well, well, so what do I think of the different depictions of Jesus which don't look like him? Well, so, well, so the, my first art, Lily, is it? Yeah, so my first answer, Lily, is, of course, we don't actually know what he looked like, so we don't know which ones don't look like him. Um, But I'm interested that in the, go back to Lincoln's question in the Bible, I'm interested in the Bible there are four Gospels, not one. Because you'd have thought it would be more sensible, wouldn't there, to be one Gospel, one story of Jesus. There are four, and sometimes they kind of, not so much contradict each other, but they say different things. Um... And that that can be a bit of a puzzle, for some people even a bit of a problem. The way I look at it is like this, is um, imagine the Christian faith as uh, as a beautiful sculpture. If you only stand at this angle to the sculpture, you will only see it one way. In order to understand and appreciate the full beauty of the sculpture, you've got to come and stand round the other side and oh, right, okay, I'm seeing, it's the same thing, but I'm seeing it a bit differently now. And then, oh, over here, and sometimes I think some of the problems we have in the church is there's some people standing here saying, the Christian faith is absolutely clear, I can see it really, really clearly. And there's somebody standing over here saying, well, actually, I see it rather differently. And this person says, well, you're wrong, it's like this. And what we've got to learn to do is, Oh, right, okay, that's a bit different. But it's the same Christian faith. Because, you see, the Christian faith, it's not, it's not a list of things to believe in. I mean, there are things to believe in, but the point of the Christian faith, it's a person. You know, that, that God so wanted to communicate his love to you, Lily, if you don't mind me putting it personally. He so wanted you to know how much he loves you. He thinks you're fantastic. He so wants to do that, that he's doing it in the only language that we really understand, which is the language of another human life. So he becomes a person, so that, so that he can really speak to us. But the thing about people, as we know, because we know other people is... They take a bit of getting to know, and you have to look at them from different angles and different perspectives. Um, and 
so that's why I think there are four Gospels, not one. That's why there are many different depictions of Jesus, all of which, not maybe all of them, but most of which will have something really interesting to say. And we need to gather together all those perspectives because none of us on our own can ever know you know, the, the whole, there's a bit at the end of John's gospel where it says, if everything was written down about Jesus, the whole world wouldn't be big enough for all the books. Um, there's, you know, there's so much to know. But brilliant, brilliant question. Does that even begin to answer your question? Oh, that's very generous of you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we might move on to think about the um, Archbishop's Young Leaders Award, which yeah. some of the people here have been through. Why is that important to you? What's the place for young people in, in life and society today? Yeah, so... Um, it's great to see that some of you are wearing the Archbishop's Young Leaders Award badge, so you've obviously taken part in the scheme. So I think me personally, the church generally, we've always had a very, very big stake in education. So I think here in the Manchester Diocese, there what I heard some like 190 schools. You're obviously one of them. Um, so we've always had a big stake in education. Um, because we want to care for the whole community and for the whole person. And also, education, as I'm sure your teachers will say, is, is not just about... Part, obviously, it's lovely to pass exams and to get qualifications. All that's really important. But the main point of education... I hope I'm not going to go too off-message now. I would say the whole point of education is that you might become fully the person you're meant to be. That's the point of education. Um, that, and I believe that God has a picture in God's heart of the person you are capable of becoming. And that's what God wants for you. God wants you, Lincoln, to be the very best Lincoln you can possibly be. And Lily, the very best Lily you can possibly be. That's what God wants. Um, and therefore, a good, wholesome education is not just academic, it's looking at other things. And that's where I think things like the Young Leaders Award come in, because this is about developing other bits of your aptitude, personality, giftings, um, which gives you a different kind of experience. And what our world needs is good leadership. Um, good leadership in every area of life. Um, and so that's why I think we've invested in the Young Leaders Award. In fact, we're developing it further now. It's, it was something which started with my predecessor as the Archbishop of York. It's, it's now taken up across the whole of the Church of England and in the Church in Wales. So it, it's, a, it's a growing thing of which thousands of young people are taking part in. Well, moving on slightly from that kind of a leadership, where's Tobias? Another, another lord or royalty. Yes, well, I, I, so first of all, a yes. So Bishop David and I both sit in the House of Lords. We're members of the House of Lords. So we've met lots of lords. Um, in fact, we are lords. You've met one now. Um, um, I, can't see, I can't see what that is, but are you a lord, are you? Oh, what? Well, <laughs> my lord, it's very, it's a great, it's, it's a great, Lord Tobias Dickinson, Tobias, it's a great honour to meet you. I don't think I've seen you in the House of Lords, but um, <laughs> have you? Yes, you need to, you need to, you need to look at your attendance record. Um, uh, 
and I've also, but I've also had the, I've also had the, uh, the you know, the scary but uh, privilege of meeting the royal family. I mean, that again, that that's happened much more since I've become Archbishop of York. But I did also, I, I was a bishop somewhere else beforehand, and again, that's something that that. Um, I mean, the Church of England is what's known as the established church, the, the Church of England for, for everyone. Um, and uh, so I, I, won't, I won't tell you all my stories, but I, I had the privilege of staying with the Queen for the weekend um, seven or eight years ago. That was, that was fabulous, but very scary. Um, and um, uh, certainly I've met the King several times. And as some of you may know, I took part in the funeral of Her Late Majesty the Queen. I spoke, I had the privilege of speaking at the Platinum Jubilee service in St. Paul's Cathedral last summer. King Charles is coming to York Minster soon. Is it next month? It's soon. Is it this month or next month? Next month. Anyway, it's not long. Um, so that, yes, that, that, that's part of the job. Uh, and, and, uh, and on the whole, a really nice part. And I guess with um, your vantage point, getting to meet those kind of people, how would you instruct us to pray for them? Um, yeah, well, uh, yes, thank you. So, so my first thought would be something which has impressed me about, certainly impressed me about the Queen, but has also impressed me about King Charles, is they are both people of profound Christian faith themselves. So their faith really matters to them. Um, and that's evident when you talk to them. Uh, so they share that perspective on the world and on life. Um, and of course, they have an opportunity to carry great influence in our nation and in our world. So I think we should pray, first of all, in thanksgiving, uh, that they, they are Christians who share that Christian perspective. Um, and I think for all leaders, what leaders need is wisdom and patience. So please pray for that for them. And you, if you're thinking of it, you might pray for us as well. Someone dared ask, do you have any questions for us? I'm meaning the school pupils particularly, oh. but what would you want to beg as a question in return to them? Yeah, so, yeah. So, my, yeah, my question would be, I've got two questions. It's not very elegant, the first one. My first question would be, how are you going to play the hand you've been dealt? Well, that, that's an imagery from playing cards. It shows you my, my misspent youth. But So when I went on a school trip, we played cards at the back seat of the bus on the school trip. I'm sure you don't do anything like that. But if you play cards, you're dealt a hand, okay? And, and a good card player will know how to play the hand they've been dealt. And, in, and that's true of us in life in a way, isn't it? We've all got different gifts, different passions, different opportunities, different talents, different circumstances. And, and the sadness is that you, you can end up spending your life thinking, I wish I was somebody else. Um, and, and as I say, God, God doesn't think that. You know, God does want to change you. I think I said that earlier. God wants to change you, but not into somebody else. God wants to change you into the fantastic you that you're capable of becoming. So a question is always is, so what am I going to do? I've been, I've been given these talents, these opportunities, these passions, these circumstances. What am I going to do with them to make the world a better place? So, so that would be my question. How are you going to play the hand you're dealt? 
Um, that would be my first question. Have I got another question? So my second question might be, um, what's the question that Jesus asked his friends? What are you going to do for the least of these, my sisters and brothers? You, you may know that story where Jesus says to his, speaking to the disciples, um, um, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And they say, well, when did we, when did we see you in prison? When did we see you hungry? And Jesus says, well, when you did it for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. So I think a really important question always is to say, so how, how will I serve Christ in those who are in need? So that'd be my two questions for you. How do you play the hand you're dealt? What are you going to do for the least of these? They're really difficult questions. I ask myself those questions as well, by the way. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your answers today. I wonder if we might conclude this part of our time together. Would you pray for all those gathered uh, and for the yeah. school particularly? Uh, might you pray for us and bless us? I'd be delighted to. I'm, I'm very disappointed. There were no questions about food and no questions about football. <laughs> so... Was there? So what was, who, who had the food question? My favourite takeaway is, well, it's, that's a, I'm glad you asked me. At, at last we're on to a topic I feel I know something about. Um, so I think I, it, it will be a toss-up between a curry or a kebab. But I have to, I love a kebab. It's one of, I always think... The world is a nicer place with a kebab, but I do like a curry as well. Uh, yeah, so um, it would be, I think it'd be a shish kebab, a lamb shish. But I do like a donner as well, so sometimes a mixed. No, sadly, I don't know. We're going, somebody, a, a vicar somewhere in the Manchester diocese is cooking me tea to be honest, I'm not hopeful that it's going to be a kebab. <laughs> Sorry, I know we need to we need to get onto the prayer, but we're, now we're on a roll. Ah, oh, well, see now, see now you've asked me, and now I'm going to disappoint you. See, because I'm a southerner who moved north, so my my granddad took me to White Hart Lane when I was six years old. So I'm a lifelong Spurs fan, so I'm sorry about that. But it does mean that I know about suffering. <laughs> it says in the Bible, uh, it, says he, it says, look, looking forward to Jesus, it says, he was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Um, and that is also a description of Spurs fans. <laughs> so let us pray. Uh, th thank you so much for your fabulous questions and for having this opportunity to speak to you. I hope to encourage you. Um, it, it's, it's your generation, your leadership, that, you know, our generation's made a right old mess of things, but your generation could rise up and build a better world. And so I'm going to pray that God will bless each of you and your school as you follow in the way of Christ. Loving God, we thank you for this time together. 
for this church and for this community, for Simon and his ministry here, and for all who work and worship and witness in this place. And particularly today for this school and these young people gathered here, their staff and teachers, their homes and families. We pray that you will set before us uh, the beautiful picture of your son Jesus Christ and that we may hear him reaching out to us and calling us and that we may follow in his way and work to build his kingdom in the world. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And may the Lord go before you to guide you. May he stand behind you and give you strength. May his love watch over you and keep you in his peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and upon your school now and forever. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen.